This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta ka bhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode of Hafta. Today is the 5th of May. It is 2:40 in the afternoon in Delhi, a Thursday, and we are recording with five panelists today, three of whom are in office including me Abhinandan Sekri and two join us on the phone line. Joining us from Chennai is our very own Jayashree. Hi Jayashree. Hi. Welcome is uh, Chennai as hot as Delhi? Yeah, I'm just not leaving my home. Oh that I bad. I can't bear it. Isn't so- it raining though? I read some No, not not yet, but it's raining like on the suburbs. But no, the temperatures are not as bad as Delhi. We're not in the 40s yet. Oh, okay. okay. But although Delhi yesterday had a great little well a hailstorm or something. No? Well, I don't know what how much of a hailstorm it was, but yeah, the temperatures have come down, but it's it's rather minor. Also joining us on the phone line is Lou Del Bello. Hi Lou. Hi everyone. Uh so Lou has been on the Hafta once before. She's an energy and climate change journalist. She's based out of Delhi. Before she moved to India she's worked in Italy, United Kingdom and Kenya. She focuses on science, climate diplomacy, energy policy and geopolitics. Her writing has appeared in Nature News, New Scientist, BBC Future, Undark, Bloomberg and more. And she runs an independent newsletter called Lights On. It's on climate and energy in India. So Lou you're originally from Spain, is that right? Uh actually I'm from Italy, the northeast of Italy. Yeah, close enough. I see okay. <laughs> so, and and you've been in India for how long now? I've been in India for uh, just over 4 years. Uh I arrived in April 2018. So I did the whole like covid thing from here. Uh, quite the experience. Yeah. What brought you here and what keeps you here? Uh so I guess journalism has brought me here like uh all the places that I've lived in. Uh it's always been chasing the story and I guess I really liked it. Um I found that Italians and Indians share a lot of uh, personality traits so I always felt quite at home and <laughs> uh, made a lot of friends. Yeah, yeah, it's true as a um, same passion for food and you know a very friendly open attitude. Uh we are very sociable. So yeah, I stayed uh for the people. I came for the stories and I stayed for uh, the people and the you know beautiful environment as well. Although living in Delhi sometimes, you know, when you have the heat or the pollution Uh, not exactly the best environment you can find but um, well you win some you lose some but yeah. well it Italy is lost India's gain uh, thank you uh, also <laughs> joining us in the studio in Delhi although Lou uh, ideally we would have liked to have her in office which was the plan in our studio but uh, day before yesterday our wonderful journalist reporter Nidhi tested positive for covid and she had been in office so we just thought that would be better if Lou didn't come today Uh, just to put at risk all the all of us have come in and we seem to be doing fine uh then uh, joining us in the studio in our sparkling new studio not new anymore it's been a month <laughs> no we can call it new for at least four months that's the rule <laughs> at least a year that's a rule at least a no, year <laughs> see in when you buy a car as long as that new car smell is there you can call it a new car and that new car smell stays about 5 6 months at least Studio does is have a new, a new studio feel. Is there a new studio smell? Though? Yeah, as long as the carpet doesn't absorb all the dust and the sweat and the smell smelly socks. Smell will go by monsoon once it starts <laughs> leaking we'll in. So we have another two months to call it new. Uh, so joining us is Manisha Pandey. Hi, Manisha. Hello. And Raman Kripal. Hi, Hi. Raman sir. Hi. So um, we shall get into the headlines, uh, and we'd like to discuss well climate diplomacy, climate change. journalism on climate change and also energy with lou since uh, you know that is her area of expertise before we give you the headlines i have a couple of announcements we have a new page for subscribers to send letters to our show 
So it would be great if you send us your letters through that link. It is below. I will give you the entire link again at the end of the podcast. But that is where you should send it. Also, uh, I will be attending a conference in London from the 18th to the 20th of May. So I will stay there for another couple of days. Like we had a subscriber get together in London, in uh, New York and in Boston. We can put one together in London. We've got about 28 of you have written in and said you'd like to attend it. So if you would like us to organize a subscriber meet in London while I'm there where we can get ideas, it is an interaction that really helps us develop our product. Many of you who may be using our app by now because the Android app is out uh, and you can download it and use it. The iOS app is still waiting approval, but you can share feedback so that we can you know, make the tweaks even as we go along because that is how many of our ideas evolve through suggestions and inputs from you. And do suggest places that can fit about 30 to 40 people uh, in London, which would be fairly uh, central to all of us. But you can write into us at subscription at newslawny.com. I repeat, subscription at newslawny.com and tell us about whether you'd like to attend the meetup. Uh, would you like to get someone to attend the meetup with you and we can convert them into subscribers and uh, where this can be. And like I always say, subscribe and pay to keep news free because when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. And uh, Jeshri, uh, we can get the headlines now. Thanks. Yeah, so here's the headlines for the week. India has been suffering under record-breaking heat for the last couple of months. Northwest and Central India experienced their hottest April in 122 years. This has also been accompanied by power outages. There's been a shortage of coal. And the Forest Survey of India has spotted 7,800 forest fire hotspots over a period of just three days. So the Prime Minister is going to chair an important review meeting today to deal with the heat wave and also to prepare for the upcoming monsoon season. Uh, India's ranking in the World Press Freedom Index has fallen again to the 150th position. Last year it was 142. I think it was 133 in 2016. So it's been steadily falling. A journalist, Borya Majumdar, has been banned for two years by the BCCI for threatening a cricketer, Vridhiman Saha. Communal clashes broke out in Jodhpur during simultaneous celebrations of Eid and Parashuram Jainti. Stones were pelted, the police used tear gas, and over 97, I think 100 people have been arrested so far. Curfew was also imposed, and a day later, a spokesperson for the UN Secretary General urged the Indian government to ensure harmony. Parashuram Jainti is again a new thing, man. Yeah, I don't remember being celebrated earlier. I've seen of it as like... Okay, also in Rajasthan, in Bhilwara, a dozen unidentified people allegedly attacked two men on a motorcycle and set it ablaze. This also triggered a series of protests. India has recorded 6.2% more deaths in 2020 as compared to 2019, according to data from the Registrar General of India. As we all know, 2020 was the first year of the COVID pandemic. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has returned home after concluding his three-nation European tour. He went to Germany, Denmark and France for a series of bilateral meetings. I think they discussed a range of issues, including trade, energy, and green technology. Well, Director, although sorry, if I may come in, uh, I I don't think you have described his trip as well as um, the wonderful journalist Amish Devgan. Uh, Amish has tweeted out: sixty-five hours, twenty-five meetings, three nations. That's Narendra Modi's abroad visit. <laughs> Slogan. So that's that. That's what you oh, got to. Oh, apparently they got their uh, slogan from there also, no? Twenty twenty four, be Modi once more. Acha. That yeah. was. But it's English. It People will not shouting be shouting that in Berlin. Hmm. <laughs> Director Vivek Agnihotri has alleged he was undemocratically banned from holding events at the Foreign Correspondents Club and the Press Club of India. 
he has blamed the watchdogs of free speech. He's meanly refused to take Abhinandan's proposition. Yeah, you didn't finish the headline. The headline should be. Director Vivek Agnihotri refused permission to host press conference at press club and foreign press correspondence club, but turns down offer by News Laundry Studio and finally holds press conference in Meridian. Even as Even we are recording, our this. studio has a new studio smell. It has a new studio smell. How about that? Um, <laughs> it was. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. It was actually, the, as far as I know, the it wasn't like a press conference. It was like a paid event. So he had paid to have that event at the FCC. And for some reason, for unclear reason, they decided, oh, we don't want to host it, you know, as a paid event anyway. So he hadn't been invited and then they resigned the invite. Um, he was just- Oh down, yeah, uh, you're a foreign yeah. correspondent. You would know the inside dope since you would be a member of the foreign correspondent. FCC stands for Foreign Correspondence uh, Club. So yeah. now w- what do you know? What, what light can you shed on this issue as a foreign <laughs> correspondent? And did you have a problem? Would you personally have a problem with him being, uh, you know, using that that venue for his press conference or party or whatever it was? Um, uh, no, to be honest, I mean, that's honestly, that's all I know. Like, I know it's just, um, it was just one event. It's uh, completely unclear to me. I have no more details. And um, I have to say, this is something that happened. So there's a bit of a tradition of um, organizing these paid events where, you know, if you want to promote your book or your film or, or whatever, then you know you rent you basically just rent the venue uh, and this has been uh, something that happened for like I think years it's kind of a almost a tradition from what i understand but um i don't know much about this case i know only this that it was a paid event it was like an invitation that has been cancelled because it sounded a bit like that on twitter right it sounded like oh they, they invited me and then they cancelled the yeah. event at the last minute uh, but it wasn't like that but it, i don't know much uh, more about it actually. That's okay. Nobody does, but still the <laughs> primetime debates on it. <laughs> but but, but, but t- today he's promised to reveal all in his hotel press conference. So. I can't okay. wait. But and here, here we are recording Hafta when we could have been at, at, at the Meridian having coffee and biscuits for free and asking him questions. But then we do this for our subscribers. Anyway, uh, political strategist Prashant Kishore has announced a 3,000-kilometer foot march in Bihar starting on October 2nd. He's also said he will not be forming a political party as of now. So this confusion has continued. Meanwhile, there was this war on words on Twitter where BJP leaders attacked Rahul Gandhi after videos emerged of him at a nightclub in Nepal. However, the Congress was forced to clarify that he was actually attending a wedding. The Rana couple, which is Lok Sabha MP Navneet Rana, her MLA husband Ravi Rana, were granted bail by a special court in Mumbai yesterday. They were arrested on 23rd April following a row over the recitation of Hanuman Chalisa. The Central Bank's Monetary Policy Committee on Wednesday voted unanimously to increase the repo rate by 40 basis points in an off-cycle meeting to tame inflation. Meanwhile, inflation in the US is at a 40-year high. And the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has announced its biggest interest rate increase in more than two decades. Also in the U.S., a leaked draft from the U.S. Supreme Court suggests it may overturn the historic Roe versus Wade ruling. This makes abortion a federal constitutional right. So what this means is that each American state will now be free to make its own abortion laws. And that's the headlines. Also, um, the same day, a three-judge bench of Chief Justice Ramana, Justice Surya Kant, and Himakoli of the Supreme Court have begun hearing on petitions challenging the constitutional validity of the sedition law. And the Attorney General has said that the misuse needs to be prevented, but it should not be struck down. So this is happening at the same time that these two have got bail. 
Um, yeah, I think so. And I think um, every single decision in a newsroom from now on has to be very intentional when it comes to climate change. So most stories, if you look at, you know, you open up any homepage of, you know, your daily news um, outlet, I would say that maybe half of the stories or more are in a way a climate change story or they have a climate change angle or they made, you know, the problem is made more severe by climate change or, you know, climate change could have an impact and change the, the problem or, uh, the, you know, the question, the, the debate around that particular problem. So I feel it's really important that journalists learn to think and to ask that question with every story they do. And that obviously involves choosing the kind of advertisement you decide to show on your homepage. So it's a granular effort. It has to happen every time. And I think like every single piece of content you display on your page kind of matters, whether it's a, you know, it's a piece or it's an advertisement or an image, everything. Okay. Uh, also, uh, not just advertisers, Jeshri, the fact that one of the largest holders of news media platforms across broadcast digital is Reliance. Yeah, uh, owners, of course. Whose yeah. main, main, you know, revenue is, is petrochemicals and, and fossil fuels. So that, that also is a conflict. But uh, Lou, if you were to really um, quantify it, because at the end of the day, mass communication is about communicating with the largest mass of people, which means you have to dumb things down. You have to make it, you know, dramatic enough for them to care. Mm-hmm. What are the kind of data points or facts that you think one can put out to really make a regular person who's happy watching, you know, Hindu-Muslim clashes or something that that they think is, you know, imminent that, oh, my religion is in danger or my race is in danger or, mm. you know, women with rights to abortion will overrun the world or whatever it is. Things that don't matter that much yet are communicated in a way that make the mass, large mass of people, you know, care. What are such dramatic facts, figures, data points of climate change that would make people care, you think? Well, uh, Lou, I wanted to ask you, you've been in India for about four years now, right? Mm-hmm. And every year we have headlines like hottest April or hottest March or coldest December or wettest November. Yeah. So I wanted to know. And so basically the thing is that every year we're going to have extreme climate weather events. But in the last four years that you've been here, what are some of the patterns that you've noted in your reporting when it comes to extreme weather patterns? And also, how would you assess our policy response at the central government level? Um, I mean, I guess the pattern that I noticed in, a, in the past four years is obviously more erratic weather. Like India has, you know, is a, is a land where you have extreme weather. People know that this is the case. And at some point during the year, you will have very hot temperatures. So you would have, you know, in some parts of the country, you would have... Uh, big waves, uh, storms, and big rains. So a good mix of extreme weather. But um, from what I understand, traditionally, this used to come at a certain point in the year, and you could expect it at that point in the year. Um, What's happening now, and um, scientists tell us that this will happen more and more, is that you will have more erratic weather. So these extremes will come at the wrong time. And as a foreign journalist who's made uh, her home, uh, who's decided to make Delhi her home, which is the most polluted city in the world, what do you make of the Indian media's reporting on pollution? Do you think it's adequate? I mean, even uh, me as part of the industry, I sometimes feel really frustrated that we're just talking about the same thing year after year. Uh, when it hits us, then it's when all it to all. When it hits us, but it's just, it's it's such a daily because... 
pollution is not a Diwali or a you know a farm fire problem now. We know that it is through the year. So it's extremely frustrating as an Indian. So I'm curious to know what you think of it as a foreign journalist. Um, I'm wondering if that because it's something that obviously I ask myself. Like uh, especially in Delhi, people see um, like most people I I speak with, um, they will see this pollution that comes every year as a weather thing. Like oh, today the weather is bad. Yeah. And no, no, it's it's not the weather. It's it's smog. It's it's different thing. And I always ask myself why is that that people are not a bit more angry about it. Like mm. it's a really bad thing, and it's like in front of you, you can see it, you can smell it. But I wonder if if it's because traditionally society here is used to this seasonality of extremes. So the same way you have extreme heat, uh, then you have the pollution at some point in the year, and it's almost part of this life cycle of every year. And I think people here are, are a bit more used to this, uh, to this kind of pace of life or the way you navigate your environment is going to involve facing some extremes at some point in the year. Um, and I think at that point, maybe it's down to the media or, you know, the public discourse or like policymakers, hopefully, and like other leaders um, to really bring this up throughout the year and really drive this change in culture where people understand that it's not just bad weather for three months um, out of 12, but it's, it's a problem that you, you face every day and it requires a long term solution. Sure. Yeah, so I completely agree with Lou because I was reading the um, center's advisory that they issued, I think, a couple of days ago or yesterday on the heat wave. And like it has things like don't lock your pet or your child inside your car. I mean, who is this directed towards? Because also this is a week where I think um, the periodic labor force survey came out with the statistic that over 49% of Indian workers are employed outdoors. And then when you're talking about advisories for heat waves, you're not addressing the problem of this entire massive class of labor that is forced to work regardless. The government is saying, don't go out at noon. But if you have a job and you need to make money and your job takes you outdoors, what are you supposed to do about it? Exactly. And when we talked about how do journalists, you know, need to, how we're sort of forced to sex up the sort of story on climate change to get people to care. And I've realized it's like to get, I've realized that to get businesses to care. So now we're seeing more and more reporting on the lines of how, for example, I think India lost 260 billion hours of labor annually between 2001 and 2020 because of the impact of heat waves. And so this is the sign of statistic that we are turning to, like the kind of capitalism thing, which will make businesses therefore sort of sit up and care about the fact that heat wave is making them lose business. Mm. We are quantifying it in such absurd ways, just sort of hoping that people would care. And yet, even with lethal weather, no one will stop exploiting labor. And also, when we talk about policies, I remember when Lou was here last time in Hapta, I think that was November when we were talking about the Glasgow mm. summit and we were talking about areas noises about net zero commitment. But I want to know, like in the six or seven months or whatever it's been since then, do we have any evidence at hand to show, you know, that anything is happening? Instead, everybody seems to be talking about electric vehicles which doesn't move the needle at all. Mm-mm. And yet we're sort of living in a time where, you know, if we're lucky enough to grow old, then we'll wonder, wow, like, how did we allow it to get so bad? I mean, I guess Italy is a bit different because you have to remember Italy is a tiny country. Yeah, um, I think that's so. <laughs> it's a bit like, despite being quite diverse for the small size, it's a very small country, but it's quite diverse. But still, you know, we have, I think, something like less than 60 million people that's the entire Italy. So uh, these, these big changes, once they are enacted... That's three like, delis. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't go back. Um, like they have, we had kind of more conservative governments. We have Italy has a like a flip flop of governments every two years, so they don't seem to be able to stay in power for very long. Um, but on these big things, um, I would say it's really it's really surprising if uh, things were going to go back the same way it's happening in like all like it can possibly happen in the US. The US also has a much more uh, rooted kind of religious fundamentalist community that is also sponsoring they're very rich they're sponsoring a lot of politicians in a way like the same way the um, the church in Italy used to do in sort of the mid uh, the mid uh, past century mm. so uh, right after the second world war um, the church was really holding on to political power through that and it's the same thing like I like my understanding obviously I mean I'm not an expert in the you know, US politics but my understanding as an external observer is that these religious groups um, and and extremists they have a lot of they hold a lot of political power so I think I think that's kind of uh, what makes things go back the church has no such power in Italy anymore not at all so right. yeah not to that degree right like it's always it's always going to be the church the pope is there and people love the pope he's a great guy but there's no such influence anymore and I think it, like another really good example is Ireland I don't know if you know the story. history of Ireland until very recently I think 1985 even contraception was illegal and abortion was completely illegal until very very recently and then there was this lady who died her pregnancy was unviable and she went to the hospital uh, almost septic she she was having a massive infection and the only thing that uh, would have saved her would would have been you know giving birth to this baby who would, had died was already dead uh, but the doctor were like no we can't induce because there would be an abortion and it's illegal and she died this and is that Savita, kind of, right? yeah that's a, I didn't remember the name. And um, that created a massive movement. And uh, finally, they had their referendum and abortion is now legal. Like, it's a massive thing in the history of Ireland uh, that has a really, really brutal history of uh, of religious, uh, like, religious-related violence um, against women and girls. Yeah. So these things change. But, like, again, Ireland is a small country. I think, for me, like, the size really matters in these things. Because when you have one tiny community, it's kind of easy to build that momentum when you have yeah, over a billion people, a billion and a half, uh, then it's, it's not as easy. Now, before I just Manisha and Jeshi come in on this, just one quick answer I want from you, uh, Lou. Can a person who is openly uh, an atheist become prime minister of Italy? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sure. It's possible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. yeah, completely oh, possible. Oh, like, all right. Mm. I don't think it's ever, it's not even a question that comes up. Um, no, it's completely secular state. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jeshi, Manisha, you guys can weigh in on this. Yeah. Um, so I know that after this Roe v. Wade, this entire discussion began like on social media and all yesterday. I know like a lot of Indians were sort of feeling very proud saying that, you know, I think I made a mistake earlier because uh, in India, even up to, so up to pregnancies, up to 20 weeks, it can be terminated, but with one doctor's approval. So I know a lot of people said, oh, but at least in India, abortion is legal. But, you know, what is on paper is also far cry from what's on the ground. Many dangerous abortions will sort of regularly take place despite it being legally permissible. So I think we need to worry about that. Problem but here is more, uh, just to add that the problem here is more the misuse of the law also where girl children are subjected to abortions, mm -hmm. mostly yeah. in many cases. But with the US specifically, what I think is really 
one of the most insane things about the US presidential system is the Supreme Court, in my opinion, and how appointments are for life. And this is how like absolute much older people get to decide the law of the land. Yeah, mm. I agree. And I think, you know, if Joe Biden had the political will, he could perhaps dismantle any of these systems, though not easily. But I think at the end of the day, the Democratic Party is also a bit of a status quoist. Also, I was reading this mad thing which said like how in some states, like a hysterectomy for women will cost about $25,000 in the US, whereas a vasectomy is $25. So just that sort of disparity is staggering. I was listening to this BBC podcast on this yesterday where the host was talking to, I think, a Republican who obviously supported the change. And he was being very like, uh, you know, he was giving her the space to talk. And she was basically saying that uh, the mother's, it's a philosophical argument of the child having a life beyond the host which is the mother mm-hmm. and I think that is where a lot of the arguments also happening over this this fetal viability thing but an unwanted child is just it's bad to thrust that on someone I just think it no good can come out of it and the argument that they're giving that oh there's just too much you know uh, she also made this point that you need to take cogn- if you're having sex without protection uh, then deal with the pregnancy basically that was her and only one par- party yeah. deals with the pregnancy right? <laughs> yeah. it's not divided but but that's what I'm saying Like that is something you need to fix with education or with the, explaining the consequences because abortions can and especially multiple abortions can be really hard on the body and especially if they're going to be after six months Actually, I so think... that is something that you can't have a law saying oh we are care for your physical health of the woman so therefore we'll no, stop I, you from I doing this I think the way everybody especially the men would reevaluate their position on this is that if along with making it illegal, they also said that you, you have to compulsory, bear the consequence of it, uh, com- the, the cost the, of it. <laughs> compulsory DNA check will happen. Of So they show the DNA check karenge, <laughs> of who's the dad and you have to provide for it even if that means selling your assets. <laughs> then That would really change. I think a lot of people are I think that will make a big difference. But uh, any last and words on this? Uh, I think if doctors agree that it's fine, then I really don't see the problem because... It's just crazy. I mean, I do see the problem in the sense that I've spoken to very rational people who are pro-life and they don't say anti-abortion because they choose their words carefully. And I don't agree with it, but I see where they're coming from. That They do. They say, when does it become a person? If it's yeah, a person so at six months and why not at five months? What? And I really don't have a scientific or informed take on that. But, but even if it becomes a person on its own, it is not capable of taking care of itself. It will need a mother and a father. So, in, And if they don't want that duty or that they're not going to go through that, then you're just bringing a child to sure, the world. But what which I'm is saying is, what be... is the cutoff point is the question. And that way, human babies are the worst <laughs> compared to other. The most no, helpless. I mean, they take so long to grow up, man. So do elephants. No, so like just... animal kids just, they're walking in the next three months, they're happy, they move on. Like human kids, bloody till, like, I don't know how long you have to... <laughs> Look at Take Jesus. Care of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you have any last words on this, Jeshree? Uh, no. I think, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I think this entire debate on when is a fetus, when does the fetus officially transform into becoming a child and all, I think, I mean, there is a lot of science on it. I remember the BBC had this really good piece that I read ages ago, which I'll try and dig up. But at what point does fetal development become associated? with the right to life I think is a very sort of it's a question that sort of spans like philosophy and like medicine and theology and in the meantime it is the woman who is placed with the burden and the task of these sort of expectations of this fetus so I just think the entire thing is I do think at the end of the day the right to choose lies with the woman I just think having an unwanted child is just more cool. child, so. like just bringing someone into the world and just 
that's just far more cruel than ending it when you can all of you listening in the chota hafta do subscribe so you can listen to the entire hafta we will see you again next week with the hafta till then subscribe pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served and advertisers pay advertisers are served thank you goodbye all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hold up. 